Well, our pastor is in, in Illinois preaching a five-day revival. And so I encourage you to be in prayer for him and for that church this week as uh, he shares God's word with them, that the Spirit would just be able to move among them and accomplish that which he desires, not what we desire. And that's what we want of God today, is that his will would be done in this service. Now, we have been talking the last few weeks of this series that came out of nowhere. And in this, this season, uh, I'm sure some of you have had things that have already come during the series out of nowhere. Um, today, we're concentrating on things didn't go as planned. And a lot of times, we, we can plan and we can want things to go a certain way, but ultimately, we are not in control uh, sometimes. And sometimes things don't go as planned. Um, we have hosted several exchange students in our home. And the first one that we hosted was from Brazil many, many years ago. Her name was Bruna. She was from Sao Paulo, Brazil, spoke Portuguese and a little bit of English when she came to us. She was with us for three weeks. At that time, Lacey was about four. Justin was about eight. So this is a long time ago. And we enjoyed that time with her for three months. She went to Bing School, and she came to church with us and just became a part of our family. But the three months was over, and it was time for her to go home. And Travis and I, were we were about ready for her to go home. Uh, we had a great time with her, but we wanted to send her back to her parents. And so we took her to the airport. And this was back in the time when you could go down into the gate with, the, with your the people that you're taking to the airport. So we went with her to the gate and we waited with her and we saw her board the plane and we watched the plane take off. And we're heading back up the terminal. We didn't get very far. We look around and Justin is nowhere to be seen. So we start backtracking, where's our boy? And we find him in the corner, sitting down in a phone booth just bawling his eyes out. He said, I don't ever want to feel this way again. You see, things hadn't worked out for Justin <laughs> with Bruna coming the way that he had planned for them to. And, and we know that that hasn't happened to Joseph either. We've been studying about Joseph. And Joseph, we know... We started this journey in chapter 37 of Genesis, and he was 17 years old. He was Ava's age. I said, imagine, Ava, you, he was the same age of you. And don't you have dreams, Ava? Yeah, yeah, I've got dreams. And don't you know that Joseph had dreams? Uh, you know, desires, hopes, like we do. And all of a sudden, you know, he's the dreamer. He's favored by his father, but he's hated by his brothers. And they want to they kill him. <laughs> they hate him to the point they're wanting to shed some blood. And so we know that, we know from this story that instead of killing him like they wanted to, they sold him to some slave traders that took him to Egypt, where King Pharaoh was in charge, and he became part of Potiphar's house. 
Potiphar was captain of the guard, a powerful man in Egypt, and he saw that Joseph had some kind of special something on him. He saw that blessing on him. He, he recognized that God had blessed Joseph. Um, but we know that out of nowhere, Potiphar's wife got an eye for Joseph, and uh, she made a move on him, and he, he, he resisted, and she falsely accused him of molesting her, and he ends up in prison. So that's where our scripture comes from today. He's a prisoner. Now, he has favor with the prison, um, with the, the, uh, the guy that's over the prison. He has favor with him, but he's still a prisoner. When you're a prisoner, when you're in the jail or the prison, you don't get to choose anything. You lose all freedoms. You don't get to decide what you're going to eat. You don't get to decide what kind of blanket you're going to use on your bed. You don't even get to decide if you're going to have a pillow or a toothbrush. You are at the mercy of the people in charge. And that's where Joseph is. He's a prisoner in our scripture today. Um, our scripture is from Genesis 40 today. And at this time, Joseph has been given complete care of all of the prisoners in the jail. And he is in the section of the prison that has the king's prisoners. So he's in there with the cupbearer to the king. And the cupbearer is the one that takes the wine to the king. And he's already seen to it that that wine is safe for the king to drink. And the, also the chief baker is in this prison. And he's the dude that, that cooks the meals and makes sure that they're safe for the king to eat in the king's household. And for some reason, they've disgruntled the king, and they're in prison, this chief cupbearer and this chief baker. And so Joseph goes to them one morning, and he, and he sees that it says their faces are downcast. And he says, well, what's wrong? What is wrong? And in verse 8, they say to him, we've had dreams, and there is no one to interpret them. And Joseph said to them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Please tell them to me. So we're going to talk about those dreams today. Let's pray. God of the dream, you are a forever kind of God. And we thank you that you watch over us, even when it doesn't make sense, even when the rug's been pulled out from under us, even when things don't turn out as planned. We thank you that you are that kind of God that never leaves us. Speak through your word today. Meet us where we are. In Jesus' precious name, amen. I want to finish the scripture for us here in, in Genesis chapter 40. We're going to look at verses 9 through 15. So the chief cupbearer told his dream to Joseph and said to him, In my dream there was a vine before me, and on the vine there were three branches. As soon as it budded, its blossoms came out, and the clusters ripened into grapes. Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes and pressed them into Pharaoh's cup and placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. And then Joseph said to him, 
This is its interpretation. The three branches are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your office, and you shall place Pharaoh's cup in his hand, just as you used to do when you were his cupbearer. But remember me when it is well with you. Please do me the kindness to make mention of me to Pharaoh, and so get me out of this place. For in fact, I was stolen out of the land of the Hebrews, and here also I have done nothing that they should have put me into the dungeon. Well, when the chief baker saw that the interpretation was favorable, he said to Joseph, I have also had a dream, and there were three cake baskets on my head, and in the uppermost basket there were all sorts of baked food for Pharaoh, but the birds were eating it out of the basket on my head. And Joseph answered, this is its interpretation. The three baskets are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head from you and hang you on a pole, and the birds will eat the flesh from you. Whoa. Whoa. So Joseph not only is a dreamer, but he has a gift of interpreting dreams, a special gift, and he gives the credit to God. Now, at this point, when we look at the timeline in the scripture, Joseph has been in Egypt for a third of his life, a little over a third of his life. He's been there about 11 years. He's probably 27, 28 years old at this time. But he's in Egypt. I mean, they've got it going on. There's a thriving environment in Egypt. This is the land of the Pharaoh. Some of you may, may have been to Egypt and seen some of those wonderful things that they built back in that day with slave labor. Uh, they built the pyramids. They built the sphinxes. They had huge temples uh, for sacrifice there. There were priests and wise men in Egypt that and they studied the sky and they studied the earth. They even gave, um, they came up with a 365 and a quarter a solar calendar year that we still use. They, uh, they were close to the Nile River, and they, they uh, designed elaborate um, irrigation systems so that the crops could be watered and the cows, they had cattle. But they were very religious and superstitious. In Egypt, there were over 2,000 gods and goddesses that the people worshipped there. Um, they were a powerful people, and so Joseph has been there for a third of his life. A lot of his growing up years have been there in Egypt. Um, why had he not acclimated to this, this environment? Why did he still hold on to Yahweh, to God, in his suffering? And he's suffering here after all these years. After all, there's, there's no scripture written yet. Moses hadn't even been born at this point. Uh, there's no psalms for him to go to, to cling to. Um, but there's a hint of why, the reason, and, and I'm going to go back to chapter 39, verse 21. This was after he was thrown in jail. It says, but the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love. He gave him favor in the sight of the chief jailer. 
Now that word steadfast love, we've talked about that before. In Sunday school, we've talked about it here. The Hebrew word for that is hesed, and that has to do with God's favor, God's kindness, resting, God's love, resting on Joseph. And this is not just an earthly, fleshly kind of love. This is a forever kind of love. The psalmist says that the steadfast love of the Lord endures forever. This is a, a, a lasting love. And I, I thought about when I was thinking about this Joseph's story compared to his ancestors, God didn't speak to Joseph like he did Abraham. You know, he took Abraham out and let him see the stars. And God did not work in Joseph's life like he did Isaac. And Isaac was his grandfather. He didn't work in Joseph's life the way he had in Jacob. You know, Jacob was given the dream. He's the one that wrestled with God. And God had reaffirmed his covenant with Jacob. But God was not working in Joseph's life in that same way. And did he still remember his dreams from childhood? You remember he had those dreams when he was 17 that he was exalted over his family and they were going to bow down to him. And what about the dream? What about the promises that God had made to Abraham, his great-great-grandfather Isaac, and Jacob? And what do we do? What do we do in the middle of our life when our desires, our dreams, and our hopes are dashed? Because we have, we have them too. When things don't turn out like we planned, what do we do? Um, Brueggemann is a theologian. He says that Joseph speaks life and death into the lives of these men that are in prison. And he has great God-given abilities that amazes the people around him. But he himself is in great need in this scripture, here in this prison. Remember what the he had said to the cupbearer in verse 14? He said, but remember me. Remember me when it is well with you. Please do me the kindness to make mention of me to Pharaoh. So get me out of this place. Now that word in Hebrew for kindness is the same thing as that steadfast love. It's that hesed. He said, brother, would you show me some favor? When you get to the king, would you just let him know? Let him know I'm here. Let him know that I'm the one that, inter that told you you were going to be free. And we know that the interpretations come true. The cupbearer is exalted and restored to his position with the king. And the chief baker, they hang him. Just as Joseph had predicted. And the last verse in this chapter this just didn't work out like he had planned. 
said, yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. Well, that didn't help his client. Joseph finds that he is powerless. He is powerless over his situation. And he's in suffering. He's in a position where he is suffering. His hopes, his desires, his dreams. What do we do when they're gone? What do we do when the desires and the hopes and the dreams kind of fall to pieces? And I think one thing that we do is we hold on to the love. We hold on to that steadfast love, that forever love. Not that fleeting love, but that forever love that God gives us. We hold on to the promise. We hold on to, we sang about standing on the promises this morning. We hold on to the promises of God. In John 3.16, he says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, so that everyone who believes him may not perish, but have eternal life. You see, this eternal love is given to us through Jesus. And my question to us right now is, have you surrendered to this love? Have you surrendered to the gift of life in Christ? If you hadn't, oh, it's the greatest thing you'll ever do. I had a friend that I called this week. She said, you're never going to believe this. You're never going to believe this. My son got saved this week. My son got saved. And I was just rejoicing. It was like, hold on. I don't know if I can tell anybody. But I, so I, I text somebody that I knew that didn't know her. And anyway, I'm hoping that she'll share that one of these days. Um, I was so excited. There is nothing more exciting than watching somebody give their life to Christ. Seeing that rebirth, that new birth, watching that Holy Spirit come upon that person. And it's, it's exciting. If you haven't given your heart to Jesus and you want to, you feel that tug, I'd love to pray with you after this service. Oh, just come up. Let's, we'll, we'll get that settled. Hallelujah. Oh, holding on to that love. That's what we do when things fall apart. We hold on to the love. We hold on to the hope that is ours in Jesus Christ. I want to take you to Romans chapter 5. Paul is talking to uh, the Romans here who have come to know Jesus Christ. And he's talking about the hope in the glory of Christ. And he says here, not only that... But we also boast in our sufferings. What? Boast in our sufferings? Knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character. And character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us. Because God's love, his Hesed love, has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. You see, the Holy Spirit is God's presence with us. It's his energy working through us. And so when, the, when, world, when our life just crumbles and falls apart in our dreams, we don't know what's happened to them. We can hold on to that love, 
that spirit that is a part of us. But we can't get to the hope <laughs> without the suffering. If you go back and you look at Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they all had to go through some suffering. I think for years now, God has been birthing something in Joseph. He's been preparing Joseph for something. And not just for him, but he's preparing Joseph for something for Israel. He's preparing Joseph for the whole world. The whole world. God's doing something big in our lives. If you look back at the positions that he's had, he's been in Potiphar's house, and he was in charge of everything, right? He's now in the jail, in the prison, and he's in charge of everything. Huh. You think God might be preparing him for something? Hmm. Hmm. This week, I, had a, I went into Monday really discouraged. You know, we studied about Elijah this morning. Uh, Monday, I went over to that building next door so I could just holler at God. And I just said, God, I can't do this. I think you've got me over my head. I think you've made a mistake with this ministry thing. I think you've, I think you've, I think, I, I don't think I can do this. But you know what it is? I came over here and I got my phone. I text my friend Kathy in, in Phoenix. Oh, no, 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 first I, I text Jeannie. I text Jeannie and I said, would you just pray for me? I'm struggling. I'm struggling today. She sent me a devotion. I mean, it wasn't just a minute. And she said, I, I'm praying for you. And she sent me a devotion. And that word from that devotion just spoke straight to my heart. Oh, my gosh. And then... And then I, I reached out to my friend in, in Phoenix, and she was, she was having a struggle, too. And, man, we just, she, I said, I really want to get to the point where I'm comfortable with being uncomfortable. Because God doesn't want to know what I can do for him. <laughs> God wants us to know what he alone can accomplish through a life wholly surrendered to him. He wants to show us what he wants to do, what his plans are for the future. You see, God did not want half of Abraham's heart. <laughs> God did not want half of Isaac's heart. God did not want three quarters of Jacob's heart or Joseph's. God wanted all of these men. And I think he wants all of us too. He doesn't want halfway surrender. He wants, he wants it all, guys. And, and I have found that we can't get to where he wants us to be on our own strength. In John 15, verse 5, Jesus told his disciples, I'm the vine, 
You're the branches. Those who abide in me. And I and them bear much fruit. You can't help but bear fruit when you're attached to Jesus. He says, apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. He wants to know that. More than obtaining the desires of our heart, more than obtaining the dreams or the hopes, he wants us to want him when our hopes are dashed well Psalm chapter 46 verse 10 is a verse I go back to a whole lot it says be still and know that I am God be still Lord be still Linda be still Nikki, be still, John, be still, Chris, and know that I am God. Psalm chapter 27, verse 14 says, wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Joseph wanted the cupbearer to the king to remember him to King Pharaoh. But King Pharaoh wasn't writing Joseph's story. The king of the universe was writing Joseph's story. And I believe the king of the universe is writing your story. And through Jesus, he calls to us. And he says, you are mine. I have redeemed you. Follow me. And today, it is my awesome privilege for us to come to this table and to remember, to remember sacrifice. Jesus' sacrifice. We come to this table and we remember love. We come to this table and we remember there's a life giver. We come to this table and we remember that there is a Christ, a Savior who suffered for each one of us with his great love. And before, Brandon, would you come on up? And before we partake of the elements, Brandon's going to sing for us as we prepare our hearts before God. And feel free to sing with him. Lord, prepare me 
to be a sanctuary, pure and holy, tried and true, with thanksgiving, I'll be a living sanctuary. sanctuary, pure and holy, tried and true, with thanksgiving, I'll be a living sanctuary. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it and he blessed it. Thank you, Jesus, for your body broken for us. And he told his disciples, he said, take and eat. This 